Today on Sagittarian Matters, we give advice about fear, Patreon, selling your art, and how to deal with difficult people at work with very special Capricorn guest, Beth Pickens. Stay tuned. Hello from the Sagittarian Matters Social Distancing Studios in Portland, Oregon. Hello from month 10 going on month 11 of quarantine. Before we start the show today, I wanted to give a brief public service announcement in memory of and in honor of Fran Harrington. Fran is somebody who is very special to the Sagittarian Matters family, and she passed away last week from COVID-19. Um, in her memory and in her honor, I want to give a brief public service announcement, just reminding everybody to please, please, please dial back the risks that you have gotten comfortable taking with this virus. There's a new variant of the virus. There's actually a few new variants, and they're each more contagious than what we have learned to deal with over the past year. So whatever risks you got used to taking over the past year, please dial those back. This could be a time for wearing double masks when you can. This is a time where if you can avoid being indoors with other people, or if you can do it for just a short amount of time, please do it as little as possible. And please, please take this seriously. If you are somebody who ends up getting the virus and being asymptomatic, and you're lucky enough to have it not affect you in a symptomatic way, that doesn't mean you aren't contagious. And that doesn't mean that you won't accidentally spread this virus to people who are immune compromised, if not directly, then through someone who has contact with them. So I ask, and producer Chris and producer Ponyo and I ask, that you please stay safe, wear your masks, try to keep yourself and your community safe, if not for me, in memory of our beloved Fran. We're so close to the finish line, and um, I just hope that all of you listeners stay safe. And producer Chris, producer Ponyo, and myself are sending a lot of love to all of you and your families and your pets. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. Beth Pickens is the author of the book, Your Art Will Save Your Life. Her forthcoming book, Make Your Art No Matter What, is available for pre-order right now through Chronicle Books or wherever you get books. Beth is an arts consultant, a Capricorn, and an esteemed friend to the show. She has a podcast for artists called Mind Your Practice, and you can join her homework club right now at mindyourpractice.com. Beth joined producer Ponyo and I via Zoom in the Sagittarian Matters Social Distancing Studios to answer your advice questions and try a new flavor of Ticino. Now please enjoy my talk with very special Capricorn to the show, Beth Pickens. Beth Pickens, welcome back to Sagittarian Matters. Oh, it's my first official appearance of 2021, and I couldn't be happier. We're so happy to have you here for Capricorn season. We wanted to make sure you came at the height of your powers to answer listener (laughs) questions and talk about whatever it is that we talk about. Yeah, it's been a it's been an unfortunate Capricorn season so far. I mean, I guess every zodiac season for the past ten months has been pretty terrible, but this has been uh, this has been a Capricorn season for the records. 
Last year at this time, you and I were getting breakfast burritos from a tiny store called Lassen's where we bumped into Andy McDowell, who said, you look so young. Bethany. So young, so young. Andy McDowell, who wished me a happy birthday and said how great I looked. And this year I canceled all the festivities because of a second strain of a global pandemic killing people. So it's a very different birthday. It is a very different Capricorn birthday this year. I'm surprised you didn't have a working birthday, honestly. So hats off to you. Well, I always take my birthday off as a self-employed person. Like there's obviously times in my life where I didn't have any choice over that. But as a self-employed person, I treat my birthday and the surrounding days. It's it's my high holy day. This is my most important holiday is my birthday. It's when my new year begins it's like a time I protect for myself, no matter who else is involved. It's a very important holiday for me. I am a person who I don't skip my birthday ever. I don't make it somebody else's problem. It's not like you better plan me a blowout event. It's I figure out what I want, but I really protect this time. And I did it this year too. That's we nice. can make plans. And what happens when you make plans? God laughs. The universe laughs. God gives a chuckle this year. God but giggles. You know, what we can giggle about now is Ticino. Ticino. I'm drinking it out of one of my birthday gifts, which is this beautiful red Le Creuset mug. I now have a matching teapot. And so my Ticino was a ginger spice. It was a pour over blend, not one that you just, not just a stir and sip. And so I, I did it in a mini French press and then I added steamed oatly oat milk. Ooh. All right. Can you describe the smell? Can you describe the taste? I think when I smell it, when I taste it, I feel like it's 1988 and I'm watching TV in an international house cafe commercial comes on and they're talking about this drink that looks really like exotic and special. And it's in that little rectangular tin can and they're having very special memories and biscotti, which probably at the time also seemed pretty exotic and cool. That's what this is making me think of. Not just like your run of the mill flavored coffee, which would be sad. So this is, um, it's slightly sweetened, not terribly so. And the oatly oat milk is slightly sweetened, not terribly so. So it's not sickly sweet. The smell is more sweet than the flavor is actually sweet. Mm. I think it's delicious. I just want to say that I'm enjoying it. If it had caffeine in it, I'd like it even more, even though I know that's the selling point. I want you to tell me how this differs from the other times I have forced you to try Ticino. I'm trying to remember. I think that we had a kind that was pretty earthy tasting, pretty dirty. This one's very um, winter holiday warm drink mix. So this is not so artificial tasting as some sort of a, I don't know, boxed spiced ginger latte mix or something horrible. This, it's a really nice flavor and it's a really nice um, smell. It's It's gingery and warm and it's a warming spice, but not super warming. That's why I know it's still a slightly disappointing drink, but I'm not that disappointed. I, I think it's pretty good. But so, again, I want caffeine. <laughs> well, you know, there have been times where you haven't been able to have caffeine. So I wonder if this would have been a choice for you. Oh, during that, the God awful two months of summer 2019, when I had to, or maybe it was 2018, when I had to be off all caffeine for two months, not even decaf coffee, because it has trace caffeine, I would have been delighted to have this then. And I'm enjoying it right now. I have to say, uh, learning about the pour over version of Ticino has really changed my tune. 
friend to the show, listener to the show, Sybil keeps sending us to Chino. None of us have any stock in this brand. She doesn't work for them. She just wants us to talk about it. <laughs> Nobody's like- getting a kickback. You're not sponsored. You no. are for sure the only podcast talking about Ticino at all, but certainly with this much frequency. <laughs> I, I, like- I stand it. I think it's pretty good. I, I really liked this kind that you sent me, the pour over blend, the um, spice ginger. It's very nice. I'm trying a different pour over blend, pumpkin spice, which I think I tried with Morgan, except I forgot to, I made it in my car because that's the kind of tasting we're doing now together is two cars facing each other. And I forgot that it was pour over. So I actually had just spooned it in and stirred it up. And so I was just drinking <laughs> mouths full of this like, oh my God. Rounds, and it was very different experience. So, you know, Kaya and Sybil actually have both infiltrated my taste buds with Ticino. And now in the evening time when I want to drink coffee, but I know I shouldn't because it's 9 PM I'm in, I'm actually yeah. just into it. Yeah. I, the spice ginger, I, I'm sorry, I don't have the package in front of me to tell you the exact name of it, but it's ginger. It could use a little bit more spice. That would be the, if I were on the tasting panel, that's what I would ask for. But yeah, totally. When I want a hot drink and I want something that feels like it would be caffeinated, but I can't have the caffeine, this is a fantastic alternative. Thank so Ticino really should start sponsoring. I mean, we're giving so much free press to this brand. I know. To the hundreds of thousands of people who are listening. <laughs> I just want to say on the back of this, it does offer the option to use this in an espresso machine in a porta filter. So you I could like you potentially, might break your machine. I think that your machine would break itself in protest. Beth, before we get into questions, your homework club this month is tackling fear. Fear. Do you have anything to tell us about fear? Fear. What do I have to tell you about fear? Fear, I believe, is not something you have to try to conquer or beat or have any kind of that um, violent colonial language that we are ingrained, that's ingrained into us, but rather it's something we learn to identify, accept, and transcend. So identifying the kind of fears that affect us, understanding they're just thoughts and some fear is useful and keeps us safe and some fear is um, from the culture and we need to unlearn it. And other fear is just thoughts that we learn to detach from so that we can have more of what we want in life. And that's, that's how I approach it when I work with artists is helping them identify their thoughts, their fearful thoughts and, and learn what to do with those thoughts so that, so that their fear doesn't have to stop them from having what they want. And what can people look forward to if they sign up for homework club right now? Oh my God, so much. So Homework Club is this subscription program. It's only $15 a month. And every month you get a workshop with me live, or you can watch the recording or both. You get homework, a PDF handout of actual homework where I give you goals and very specific tasks to do. Um, You get an accountability pod with three other artists and writers if you want. And these are people who can support each other in reaching their goals and just being accountable to one another. You also get extra credit. Every month, a different artist gives a prompt. And this comes as an audio. It's a link to a private podcast where you get to listen to an artist give you a creative prompt to help loosen you up. And there's also a private secret Instagram account where mostly I tell people to get off of Instagram, which is a pretty useful service. And if you join this month, then you'll get the January materials. 
And February, the theme that I'll be focusing on in the workshop is time. Ooh, time. I appreciate this very much. Well, I look forward to engaging with the materials around fear this month. Today's episode is brought to you by Laura Perry, Emily Helmus, Nicole Zeller, Amy Ranham, Zoe Wirth, Shoshana Ruth Wechter, Christy Herod, and Joey Soloway. If you would like to support Sagittarian Matters, especially producer Chris Sutton, please send $5, $5 billion, that's your business, via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. And this just in, he's got a Venmo. It's Hell Books on Venmo. H-E, double hockey sticks, books. Thank you for your support, and we look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Producer Ponyo looks forward to it, too. Don't be scared, that's just Ponyo's speaking voice. Dear Sagittarian Matters, I have a coworker who drives me bananas. She seems nice, but complains all day about small things at work, her home life, and the world in general. The small things add up, and I've reached the point that I need to put on, put AirPods in so that I can't hear her speak. And when I do talk to her, she thinks she can read my mind and finishes my sentences for me, but she's always wrong with her assumptions. It has made me a very grumpy person at work. I'm not good at being blunt, but really want to try to tell her how she affects the office setting as she drives other coworkers bananas as well from struggling in Chicago. Mm. Other details. We work in an essential office setting where working from home isn't an option and sit close to each other at work. There's no option to switch or move desks. We work together over a year now. I've told her I don't like being talked to while at my desk several times and she doesn't respect my boundary. What to do? Mm. Struggling. Wow. Oh, it's so hard to have to be in close proximity to people that are just making you nuts, whether that's family or roommates or coworkers, people that you have to be in close proximity to, and you don't have a ton of choice over it. And their behavior is just intolerable to you. And I think a lot of people can probably relate. We've all probably worked in places where there was like a person in particular that was kind of ruining it for us and maybe everyone else. And, and this, this question brings up something that I think is, is, can be a helpful thing to think about and just sort of psychology and human behavior. And that is how you experience a person is probably indicative of how the world experiences them. And this, this asker suggests that this person is, is probably is in fact affecting other people in the office the same way. I think this writer said something to the effect of the whole office hates her or whatever. So I, I always want to start with like, you, how you're experiencing this coworker, the world is experiencing. So your irritation and um, not wanting to be around the, this coworker and wanting sort of avoidance and um, alienation. That's the word I was looking for. This person's probably used to that in the world. It sounds like they probably alienate people around them and might not fully be aware of it. And I, the reason I start there is just to have a moment of compassion because, um, it's an, it's, it's a frustrating situation and this person might not have a lot of people in their life who want to be around them if this is how they are. Sometimes that can help dial down the frustration and the rage at another person when you realize like, oh, they probably annoy and alienate a lot of people around them. Okay. That could just gives me a little bit of global perspective. 
to have a little, just a softening toward the person doesn't mean you have to start liking them or anything. Next, I think it's also important to point out that we're powerless over changing anyone else. And because this is your coworker, there might not be enough of a relationship to help you have any kind of pro- interpersonal process with them. Like, hey, th- this and this and this affects me in these and these ways. Could you try this instead? I think we could get along better that way. And is there anything you need in exchange? Things that you might do in another kind of relationship. But since this is a person that sounds like she, she or they can't really hear your boundaries, I wonder, is there a manager? Is there anyone that you can bring this to to help give you a little bit of distance away from this person? The addendum to the question asking sounded not hopeful. Like maybe it's gonna be very difficult to physically get away from the person. But I think expressing to whoever your manager or supervisor is, like this is actually interfering with my ability to get my job done. Because the concrete example you gave of, I've asked this person not to talk to me while I'm working and they don't hear that. That actually sounds like, okay, a supervisor, a manager, somebody might be able to help intervene on that. They can't tell this person to get a new personality and stop being so sucky and be cooler, but they can say, you've got to stop talking to other people while they're working. You're really disrupting them. And that might give you a little bit of a a reprieve. I'm basically just advocating for where are the little moments of reprieve where you could have a tiny bit of a buffer between you and this person that doesn't just have to come from interpersonally your distaste of them. How can the work structure help advocate that you get a little bit of a buffer, sort of lean into the fact that this is a job and you're together because of your coworkers, not because you're friends, not because you're family, not because you live together and use that structure to try to aid you in some way. Mm. What do you think? Nicole I think J. that's Georges? very wise. I mean, I really, I don't know if this is because I'm a baby or what, but I would get bigger headphones. I would get <laughs> headphones that are like performing the idea of privacy like basically like a shield for your head, you know, like instead of just earbuds where she can make, Oh, I didn't see them or, Oh, well, I don't know. <laughs> just like big headphones that look like headphones. So it's very obvious. You have to like take them off in order to hear the things she's saying. I kind of feel like the extra movement and like the costume of, I need privacy. I'm listening to something else could be very helpful. I don't know if that's allowed at your work. I don't know if everyone's allowed to walk around looking like a teenager from the eighties, but that's what I would do. Um, I think that having some compassion for this person and thinking about how hard it must be for them in the world and how lonely it must be to have this personality and turn a lot of pleasant people off. That sounds like a nice place to start, especially if you feel yourself getting annoyed. And, you know, I, there've been people that have annoyed me before and I've just been like, dear, Dear dog, dear, dear universe, please let me become less annoyed by this person, please. Right. And then also I've sprayed yeah. kava spray into my mouth. <laughs> kava kava is yeah. like a, a down, like a downer a little bit. It's a little yeah, mellow. Because like, I'm basically you, like, I'm the one with the problem. I'm the edgy one. This person could say whatever she wants to say. I'm the one with the problem. Right. You're the one stressing and feeling bad. And you could be an asshole. You could be rude. You could be like, leave me alone. I hate you, you know, but then (laughs) one, you might be behaving in a way that is not consistent with who you are. And that's not who you want to be in the world. And B, this is still a person you have to see all the time and be in relationship to. So I'm just saying, lean into the fact that this is a work structure to see where can you get any kind of boundary or buffer away from this person? Because the only reason you're together is because of work and workplaces 
have tools available to them to help manage interpersonal problems among coworkers when there's conflict or when there's like somebody with a terrible personality driving everyone nuts, which happens everywhere all the time. And and if it's never happened to you, listener, you might be the person. (gasps) Just kidding. (laughs) I think I know that this person says they've told her they don't like being talked to while at their desk. I found that if you even, if I can even personalize it more or get more vulnerable and be like, I get a lot of anxiety when I have to reschedule things or like whatever. If you take it on yourself and be like, I have this problem where like, I have such a hard time paying attention to stuff that if other people talk to me, I really lose track of what I'm doing. Like just like personalizing your problem yourself and just be like, I can't stay on track with what I'm doing when people talk to me. I don't know if I explain yeah. I, and I, you know, and I don't want to get mired in the struggle of like, maybe if they just understand exactly what I'm talking about, they'll change because maybe she won't. But if you haven't done right. that yet, that could be worth yeah. a communication try. Totally. And the last thing I'm thinking of is just even firmer, clearer, bigger boundaries. Like do not talk to me if we're not in a meeting together, or even if it feels like verging on rude, you might have to send blunter, set blunter, clearer boundaries that you can then help your manager or supervisor understand like, look, I've tried this, this, and this. Now I need you to do a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes when I look within, Sucks. that's why just... I work for myself. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> can't have coworkers. When's the last time I had coworkers? Well, I mean, I have collaborators all the time. Coworkers? Sure. But like, co- like when's the last time you worked in a place and you had coworkers and a boss? I mean, it's been a little while for me. Yeah. Maybe I was, I was the problem. My, my such- last job sent me out of that forever. They did. Please continue. Yeah. We don't have to go down that terrible road. It had, I I have had luck though with like with these, when people bug me and then I have to stop and look within and be like, it's not that they're just bad and that I'm so good that I'm bugged by them. It's because I am irritable. Why am I irritable? And sometimes I'm like, because the thing they're doing is making me anxious because it's taking away my time or it's, you know, taking away something from me or I am very sensitive. So when other people are a Debbie Downer all the time, it bums me out. Like, is there a way to express that and own it without making it their problem? Saying like, I have anxiety. I have a very sensitive sphere of reality. Anyway, dear Sagittarius Matters, I recently started a Patreon and it's good motivation for me to make stuff and I'm enjoying it. However, my patrons so far are all my friends and I'm super grateful for their support, but also feel weird taking money from my friends. How do I get over that weird feeling and just be a grateful, happy, a grateful, happy artist from cartoonist in Chattanooga? <laughs> oh, cartoonist in Chattanooga. This is like the million dollar question for people who are doing any kind of personal fundraising. And um, I, I have, I've talked to so many artists about this particular thing. How do you get over it? You might not get over it, but maybe we can shrink it down so that the intensity is less and less and less. First and foremost, for all artists who um, are getting some sort of financial support through Patreon or any other thing from their friends and, and their creative community that feel some guilt about it, people are doing this because they care about you and they want to support you. They might also really like the things that you're doing and they want them to exist. So um, it is an honor to let people put their money in places that reflect their values. Think about all the money we have to spend that goes to such shitty places and does terrible destructive things or to some 
corporation or landlord or some other entity that we find distasteful that we would rather not give our money to. That sucks. But then the friends can like give you five bucks a month and they're like, wow, I'm just doing the small thing, but it's supporting someone in a meaningful way. That feels good for them too. That's the emotional basis of philanthropy, that it's an honor and a privilege to allow a person to put their resources in service of the view they have of what they want the world to be. So I think for one thing, sort of pulling it out of they're doing something for you, you're helping them spread their money around in ways that feel good to them. And that's a nice thing to do because Patreons are small. I don't think these people are giving you a thousand dollars a month. My guess just from using Patreon, I support a bunch of different Patreons. It's probably $1 to maybe $50 max, probably not too much more than that. So the people who are giving you money, it's not huge investments either. So I really want you to like have a clear view of what does it mean that a person's giving you $3 a month? Probably not a lot to them, but for you, that $3 times 200 people can be significant. So keeping it right-sized, right? If somebody's handing you a kidney and a million dollars, you might be like, whoa, that's a gesture, but keep it right-sized to the scale and scope of what a Patreon is. Finally, the last thing I would say, something that really helps my clients um, detach from that guilty feeling of accepting any kind of support and love and attention from their friends, family, and community is think about it is it's for the work. How about if it's not for you, but it's for the work? Because artists often can find a desire or willingness to support their work, even if they have a hard time asking it for them as a person. So what about the things that you're making, the projects that are going to come from this Patreon? What if that's what they're supporting? They're supporting your work. And Nicole, you have a Patreon. How have you dealt with this? Well, I mean, I, please, I want my friends to support my Patreon. That's what I got to say. But I think about the Patreon. This is a question that comes up, especially when I'm talking to students about promotion, when they're like, oh, I don't want to post about myself online. Oh, it sounds like I like my own stuff. Like those people are following you for a reason. You didn't make them follow you. Those people subscribe to your Patreon because they want to. You didn't make them do it. So it's just, for me, it's like an annoying it's annoying for people to second guess if I'm like, I want to give you money. And they're like, oh, no, no, I couldn't. Oh, please. No, I couldn't. And then I have to work twice as hard to be like, no, take my money. Take it. Like that to me, it's like you give someone a compliment. And they're like, no, no, come on, please. And you have to like re-up on the compliment 17 times. So just accept the love that's coming your way. Just accept yeah. it. They're trying to give it. Don't make it too hard for them to give it. And don't make it hard for your friends to find ways to support you. If someone's following your art, Instagram, your art, whatever, because they want to support your art, let them by telling them what's up with it. Don't make them do all this sleuth detective work to find out where they can find out about you. That's why they're following you. That's why they subscribe to your email list because they want to know it's yeah. not. And who else and is people gonna... have different motivations. Some people are doing it because they care about you as a person. Some people, because they love what you're making. Some people it's a mixture. Yeah. So, I mean, I just think to be an artist, you have to kind of get over that. Like, oh, I don't want to talk about myself. You just have to, unless you hire someone else yes. to do it, which is a it's different true. kind of labor. You know, this is an independent cartoonist and I would like to follow them so that they can tell me how to support them best. Mm -hmm. But yeah, let if, people love you. Let people love you in all forms. Hi, 
listeners, it's me, Nicole. If you would like to support me and Ponyo, in particular our comics and animal illustrations, go to patreon.com slash Nicole J. Georges. And for as little as $2 a month, you can have access to hundreds of pages of otherwise unpublished diary comics. For the price of one cold brew plus tip, you can become an honorary Sagittarian. And for the price of two vegan cupcakes or two vegan donuts, you can become a Ponyo's Friend Club member, at which point you really start raking in goods, including new buttons. Check it out. Patreon.com slash Nicole J. Georges. Dear Sagittarius Matters, do you have tips for selling art online for first timers? My sister and I are going to open an Etsy together. From Etsy in Edinburgh. Ooh. I made that up. Bit of Scotland in here. Bit of Scotland um, in there. W- wonderful. Wonderful. So you're going to launch an online store of some work mm-hmm. and you want to get that out in the world. So let's see. Let's talk about first the lowest hanging fruit. You have to tell people about it. You have to tell people once your store is set up and you have everything on there that's going to be loaded for its unveiling and it's really easy and is is sort of done to the best of the ability of that particular platform, then you have to let everybody you know and whoever they know, know this exists. So how do you do that? How do you roll this out? I would say the lowest hanging fruit is you first go to the people who you have most available to you, the people who will support you and want this endeavor to work. And you give them very specific asks. For example, will you buy something from this online store and then rate and review it and show that this is a good shop to buy for and you got your thing and it showed up? Because right, a big part of these online stores that are part of something like Etsy is when people are perusing, they want to know that they can trust that they can buy something from you, not just that they like your stuff, but this is a safe online transaction. So you might ask some of the people who are closest to you, who like what you're doing, will you buy stuff, buy something and then review it? Say, this was great. Easy transaction. I got my thing. I love it. That helps just like make it clear the way for uh, future strangers to buy things from you ask people to buy things, ask them to tell other people through social media or forwarding the email that you're going to send to them, but ask them to tell other people like, look, these artists I know just started this thing. And I really like this thing they make, or I bought one for myself, et cetera, et cetera. But ask the lowest hanging fruit people around you to do very specific asks, not can you help, but can you help by doing one, two, and three, Mm -hmm. right? Then you also have to keep pummeling the world with marketing information about this. We live in the digital age is extremely noisy. So you have to over and over and over again, tell people the store exists in lots of different ways. You might ask other brands that you really love. You might introduce yourself to them and say, would, could we do a cross promotion where we'll promote what you're doing and you promote what we're doing. You might purchase a digital ad. You might purchase other kinds of ads. Like a you podcast might ask- ad. A podcast ad, podcast ad, that's how I buy everything is from people talking into my ear holes and telling me about some atmospheric linen spray. And I'm like, yes, I have to have that immediately, right? Or in somebody's newsletter, these are really affordable ads compared to like print media, which is dying and difficult anyway. But um, people's individual email newsletters and podcasts are really good places to say, buy my stuff because the person is already holding or looking at a computer that can send them to it right away. Oh, I just went, I, I lost my breath talking. I think that you also need to be clear with yourself about what you need to add into your pricing. So that would be like, 
How much is it actually going to cost you to ship this? How much are the shipping materials? How much time are you going to spend each week dealing with that stuff? Make sure you're, you know, there is like the market price for something, but make sure that you can make it in such a way that that includes your shipping and all that. Um, I guess you're supposed to make things look nice when you ship them. That's never been my practice. I include no fewer than three dog hairs under each piece of tape that's involved in any package I've ever closed and sold from my house. Uh, but I think that that's important and also just have a consistent schedule of when you want to sit down and do your customer emails, because this is the kind of thing like social media that could take up your whole life. People sending you a note, you getting a notification that someone emailed you at like 9 PM about an order, make sure you have hours for yourself where you're going to sit down and deal with those and budget that into your time. Yeah. And you can communicate that too. Like, so for my homework club, I have FAQs on mindyourpractice.com where people sign up for it. And one of the FAQs is I signed up now what? And I manage expectations there by saying you'll be, you'll get your welcome email the next day. If it's a weekend or holiday, expect it the next business day, sort of just to help manage expectations. Yeah. There's no, I mean, it's lovely to receive correspondence back immediately from a company, but you're a person. You're not a company. It's okay. You are not Glamazon. And if you need to budget in a couple extra days, if you're like, I go to the post office this day and this day, that could be your thing. Or if you print out Etsy labels and put shit out every day, that could be a thing. For me, I like an old fashioned two to six weeks. (laughs) Like you ordered something. (laughs) No CODs. (laughs) (laughs) No CODs. Checker money order, dog hair gratis. You know, that's my stuff. This is why I don't have anything for sale you know, right now. I appreciate that because I, in this world of, I expect everything to come in the mail within two days. You know what? Give me a surprise. I want to get something in the mail that I forgot I even ordered. <laughs> and the only way that's, that can happen is if it's not 48 hours later. That's the George's promise. That's the George's <laughs> promise. You're going to forget you ordered this. And what a surprise that will be when it finally gets here. <laughs> and for me, usually... I, when I was shipping things myself, I would send them out so late that I always felt so much guilt that people would always get something for free that I was adding as an apology present. So, you know, you could look forward to that. These are some bleak paths you could go down, but I would say the most important thing for your rollout (laughs) is people need to know about it and you need to make it as easy as possible for them to understand what are you selling? What are you making and how can they get it? Mm -hmm. I agree. And it never hurts to have a little tiny coupon. If you know, for those first, the first rollout people or something, if you get this many things, or if you leave me some feedback, you're not, you don't have to tell them it's good feedback, but just say, if you do this, another thing that I have found is a great way to advertise on Instagram or get more likes on your, you know, say that your business starts its own page is to have a raffle kind of thing where you say, okay, If you tag your friends and you guys are following my account, then one of you is going to get blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. That has always for me been a great way to find out about that stuff. And you could say, share this post to be entered into this raffle. Right. And then, yeah. Incentivize people to do something, incentivize people to buy something and incentivize people to expand the social media. I know all of this can be really overwhelming and daunting, but you just, you don't have to do all of it, hundred percent of it all in one day, but it, it's useful to just think about the rollout of when you launch something. Dear Sagittarius Matters, I'm a nurse. How do I keep my sanity? 
from nursing in Nebraska. Oh, thank you for all of your nursing, whatever context you're doing your nursing in. That's a really, that's a, that's a hard job. And it's a job that it's one of the jobs that's made so much harder over the past 10 months. How do you keep your sanity? You look for things that you can let go of until the pandemic is over and the vaccine has reached all the people who want it. You look for things you can let go of so that you can have a little bit of pockets of space and time that are for whatever you need that particular day. Sometimes for some people that might be letting go of some perfectionism over here in this part of their life or letting go of this commitment over there in that part of their life to recoup a couple of hours each week where they can stare at a wall or read or go for a walk or watch television or stretch or do something depending on whatever they want or need that day. So I think stealing back a little bit of time and space for yourself. Another one is to remember this is not forever. It feels like it because it's a slog and it's been almost a year, but it's not forever. This is not a permanent way of living and working and it's extraordinary. Number three, ask for emotional and physical help from people. And you probably know a lot of people who are also overtaxed and drained, like all your coworkers, right? But there may be friends and family in your life who aren't having that particular pandemic experience that you could lean on and say, you know, I could really use a little bit of emotional support, or I could use this kind of physical help on the days when I'm, you know, I know nurses often work like four 12 hour days on and then three days off. So when things feel particularly hard, I really want you to just ask for things. And like lean into the fact that you're a nurse. Be like, hey man, I need you to do the thing for me. Remember, I'm a nurse. It's crazy up in there. Will you run to the grocery store for me? Or will you pick up this package that I can't get from the post office? So I think those are some of the immediate things I think that I would recommend to return a little, turn up that sanity dial a tiny bit. Oh yeah. I really recommend, you've heard me recommend Orangutan Jungle School, but I also recommend Summer Camp Island which is a delightful animated show. The episodes are only about 11 minutes long. It's an all ages show. It's very low key. It's very soothing. It's about some animals on a magical island. Uh, that's, that's what I recommend. And sleeping without your phone by your bed. That yeah. will dial up anybody's sanity, especially if you're living the nightmare. You don't need to be having a notification doom scroll about the nightmare right before you go to sleep and right before, right after you wake up in the morning. No, you don't. You don't. Um, but look, you're just looking for small gestures toward yourself because those small things are available and they can really add up. Yeah. I have to say something that is really helpful for me so that I can focus, especially when I'm focusing on something that's supposed to mellow me out is turning off all message notifications on my phone, letting my phone, like, so that I can't even tell I've received a message unless I go deep into that folder. Um, that helps me concentrate if I'm using my phone for a meditation app, if I am trying to take a bath and listen to a podcast or something like that, that the phone needs to be near, but I don't want to be on call for anything. Yeah. Yeah. I just had one more thought. I I'm not trying to like have the last word. So feel free to have one more after this too. No, 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 no. Uh, but another thing that just occurred to me was there's a difference between things we do to numb out and things we do to relax. Those are different, right? We don't get rest and restoration from the things that we numb out to. And there's a place for things that we just numb out to, right? There's absolutely a place for that, but it shouldn't be the only strategy for recuperation because that's not the same as recuperation. 
Like I am playing some weird, dumb Tetris game on my phone more often than I want to admit these days. And I know that this is not relaxing me or restoring me. It's just sometimes I want to numb out after work. Then I know I have to do a different thing to actually feel rested and restored. And those things are usually outside or something with my body, reading, um, listening to a podcast, cooking. So I just want, and everybody's different. So I want you to think for yourself, what are the things that I numb out to? And what are the things that are restorative? It's kind of the difference between feeling like you've lost time or you've made use of your time. And I feel like when I have a really stressful job and I'm just numbing out by looking at my phone after that, it felt in the moment necessary, but it later on, I feel like I just lost time. Like it's time I would like back at the end of my life. Whereas, you know, time spent taking a walk, like you were saying, doing something with my body reading. I don't want that time back at the end of my life. If it's a bad book, get a different book. (laughs) But give yourself what you need. Yeah. All right, Beth Pickens, um, is there anything that has been bringing you joy lately? Any podcasts, any TV shows, any practices, anything you recommend to listeners as we wrap up today? Well, this might be a little bit of a curveball, but I just started Caitlin Doty and her collaborator, whose name I'm blanking on, their mortality course. It's a nine-week course on death and dying and death acceptance. And my spouse and I are doing this course together. Um, And we just did the first lesson last night. You basically are watching a video of these two women, these two death professionals talk to you about different things and ask you different questions. And then you answer in writing form. And then midweek, we'll get a meditation, a guided meditation to listen to. But so we're doing this for the next nine weeks. And you know, I love to do death practice rituals. They really help me. So that's giving me life. Let's see what, what else I just got my next, my, I think this is maybe my fourth quarantine order from Rancho Gordo, the bean emporium. Um, so I just got like 10 pounds of beans in the mail. Um, and my book comes out really soon. So I'm having my first marketing publicity meeting tomorrow with my publisher and I'm going to be planning like all kinds of things. And I don't know what, because it's still a quarantine and a pandemic, but this book will come out and I will do some sort of reading opportunities for people to like engage with me in it. That's that giving is- me joy. Cause I wrote it so long ago. I don't remember what's in it. Well, that's very exciting. What about you? What's giving you joy? Can people pre-order your book right now? Oh, totally. Chronicle Books. Uh, the book is called Make Your Art No Matter What by Beth Pickens. Readers, listeners, go out, pre-order this book because pre-orders and sales within the first two weeks of a book's life are crucial to the book. They matter. They matter Early sales much. indicate whether you get to sell another book. And they also, they indicate to the publisher, should this get a second printing? What should happen next? Should we put more resources into this? Is this a wild horse? Do we just want to like get on for the ride or put it to the glue factory? Pre-ordering matters. So if you want to read it, please pre-order it. It'll probably get mailed out late March, early April at the latest. What a great way to support your independent bookstore. Mm Mm-hmm. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.